Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees, their multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, my friends, and I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. I'm sorry for yesterday's video. I will try to redo it uh, tomorrow, um, and I apologize for uh, the bad audio. I did it really late last night, and so that's why... Uh, I didn't do it again. Um, today we're going to do something on the same topic, but a little bit different. We talked about the U.S. Uh, assistance in the Manipur um, massacres. Uh, the the hand behind the massacres is U.S. Uh, funded missionaries. Um, but I want to talk to you about something else. Today's topic is kill the Indian in him and save the man. Uh, if you're shocked by this, don't be, because this is how the U.S. missionaries, American uh, missionaries, got rid of the Native Americans in in North America. So you heard of Macaulay uh, in India. He has resulted if he's um, he's behind the English education in India. Um, and, and because of him, we all, um, you know, we speak English and the English education comes from that time. Uh, he was the one who um, first fomented the drive. But uh, if, you, if you haven't heard about Macaulay, if you ha- or you have, um, believe me, there was another Macaulay. His name actually was R.H. Pratt, and he was the one who, was in, who insisted on English education to the Native Americans of Canada and the United States. Their goal was to kill the Indian. That means to get rid of the Indian, okay? The Native Americans, or as they call them, Red Indians. Um, and how do you get them away from, from their culture? Well, you isolate them and feed them what you want them to become. So it's exactly what's happened in the Northeast. The Northeast was isolated from India uh, by the Congress, completely closed. You didn't know anything that was happening there. You didn't know what was happening there. You couldn't go there. Um, There was violence. You were told there were violence over there. But in reality, all they wanted to do was isolate the Northeast. There was a reason for the isolation of the Northeast. We'll go into that. But let me show you how they did it in the United States and Canada. Their goal, a great general had once said that the only good Indian is a dead one and that high sanction for his destruction has been an enormous factor in promoting Indian massacres. In a sense, I agree with the sentiment, but only in this, that all Indians, uh, that all the Indian there is in the race should be dead. Kill the Indian in him and save the man. Uh, We are just now making a pretense on anxiety to civilize the Indians. I use the word pretense, he said, purposely and, and mean it to have an all, and all the significance it can carry, possibly carry. Washington believed that commerce freely entered in, into between us and the Indians would bring about their, about their civilization, and Washington was right. And he's talking about I'm, I'm presuming George Washington. He was followed by Jefferson, another president, who inaugurated the reservation plan. Jefferson's reservation was to be the country west of the Mississippi, and he issued instructions to those controlling Indian matters to get the Indians there and let the Great River be the line between them and the whites. Any method of um, secure, securing removal, persuasion, 
purpose of force was authorized. Um, Jefferson's plan became the permanent policy. The removals have generally become accomplished by purchase, and the evils of this are greater than those of all those combined. Washington's policy was one of association, equality, amalgamation, killing the Indian and saving the man. Jefferson's plan was segregation, degradation, and destruction. Washington's plan meant health, self-help, economy, hope, increase in every way. Jefferson's plan meant that uh, meant and has, has proven destructive to the Indians, that's the native Indians, vastly expensive, hopeless, and productive of inertia, disease, and debt. Um, so basically, they wanted to wipe out the Native Americans of North America like they did in South America. But how do you do that? You isolate, like I said, the Indians from their families, from their tribes, put them into schools, uh, force them upon them in, in uh, um, European education, and here we go. And that's exactly, my dear friends, what's happened in the Northeast. And this was a gender and an agenda that was carried out by Europeans um, in North America uh, to get rid of the natives. That is exactly what they are doing in India. Every time you see a Christian school, that school has one purpose, including the school I went to. Kill the Indian, save the man. That means get him out, isolate him from his native Vedic culture. And that's why we don't have any knowledge of our Vedic civilization in our school books. None whatsoever. Okay, because the goal of them is to kill the Indian and save the man. And that's why we have been lost. And now we are waking up and the West... And the Christian churches and the Islamic uh, um, organizations of the world are calling us fascists. Modi is fascist. Modi is this. Hindutva is fascist. BJB is fascist. Because they know we have come, we have finally caught up with them. And their goal, their agenda of killing the Indian and saving the man. That's exactly what happened in the Northeast. And that is exactly why the Northeast was isolated from the rest of India to make them into Christian state, finally get them to um, segregate from India and create a new nation in the Northeast. Um, and Modi is stopping it. How do they fund it? To drug and poppy cultivation. So let's just go to this first and then we'll come to the drug part later. Okay. So I'm going to give you um, how it worked. Okay. So Kill the Indian and save the man was the motto of um, of the uh, motto and agenda of the European uh, civilization in North America, um, and this is how it worked between fifteen uh, between fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred. This is just an example. Uh, Native Indian students from Oklahoma attended the school in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, um, and this is one example. I'm taking one example. Okay, and I'm going to give it to you and you will understand the rest and I'm going to put links into my podcast. Okay, the purpose of Carlisle, as well as other boarding schools across the nation, was to remove Native Americans from their cultures and lifestyles and assimilate them into the white man's society. 
Carlisle, which, uh, which opened in 1879, was the first in the most well-known boarding schools of native children. And its operational model set the standard for the most boarding schools across the country. For many tribes in Oklahoma, the horrors of Carlisle model was experienced closer to home. Riverside, organized in 1871 by Quaker missionaries, is the nation's oldest federally operated American uh, boarding school. Um, all the, that remains of the original campus, formerly known as the Wichita Caddo School, is another eerily sparse, uh, eerily sparse graveyard atop a hill outside Anandarko. Joe and Ethel Wheeler were educated there, and Anthony Galindo, their grandson, was raised. They raised recalls hearing their stories about the school. Ethel Wheeler was one of the many students who tried to run away from the riverside, but all, was always sent back. Eventually, Ethel Wheeler was loaded in the cattle car and shipped by train in the dead of winter to Phoenix, where she stayed until she was 19. According to Galindo, Ethel Wheeler remembers huddling into the car with other children to keep warm. She didn't survive, some didn't survive the journey. At Riverside, Joe Vila was abused. Galindo said he never forgave. He held on to his belief in the creator from the big drum religion traditional Wichita people practice, practice as much as he held on um, to that grudge. First they cut my hair, he said, and then they made me eat soap, and then they beat me for speaking my language. Joe Vila told Galindo, when Joe Vila's father found out about his son was being tortured at school, he got him out. Having completed the sixth grade, Joe Vila had learned English as a second language and began to act as an interpreter to his people to assist the allotment dealings between the government and Wichita people. The trauma of the Riverside Indian School stayed with Joe Vila all his life. Galindo said, his first and most prominent memory of being raised by his grandparents was his grandfather telling him that the government's intent was to wipe out their people of the face of the earth through cultural assimilation efforts such as Riverside. Uh, it was this was the same intent that that inspired Richard Pratt, founder and superintendent of the Carlisle Indian Industrial School, to strip Native American children of their cultures. A great general said that the only good Indian is a dead one, and that a high sanction of his destruction has been an enormous factor in promoting Indian massacres, Pratt said in a speech in 1892. In a sense, I agree with the sentiment, but only in this, that all, in, that all the Indian there is in the race should be dead. Kill the Indian in him and save the man, Pratt said. Pratt coined the idea for Carlisle, which, while serving as a soldier in Oklahoma Territory, uh, while moving 70 native prisoners to, of war to Florida, um, Grenzer said Pratt began inviting Florida locals to teach the prisoners English. So that's where Pratt got his idea. Hey, he said, if you isolate them from their families and their tribal life and you immerse them in standard uh, American white culture, they could just be like everyone else. Unlike their boarding schools, Carlisle's housed older students with some entering the school as late as 18 years. 
Many boarding schools, including Riverside, recruited as much, recruited much younger students. The boarding school experience that many people had in other schools just doesn't seem reflected quite as much as Carlisle. I mean, again, the concept is horrid, you know, why the school exists, but how you implement the assimilation process can be very different. By the time students arrived at the boarding school in Carlisle, most had already attended primary schools on tribal reservations, and many students had experienced assimilation schooling throughout their lives. The majority of the stories from boarding schools were negative. However, letters written to Pratt in 1890 show that some graduates found Carlisle experience to be positive. It's complicated. I mean, no matter how you slice it, it's very complicated and everybody's experience can be shy, very different. The recruitment process for Carlisle was also different. In the beginning, Pratt traveled uh, to reservations across the nation, speaking to tribal leaders about the boarding school and its purpose. Um, One said, we don't know exactly what he was telling the chiefs and the headmen that were gathered there. So we have no idea necessarily what kind of promises Pratt made uh, might have been making about his view on the importance of going to school. Contributors to the Carlisle Indian School uh, Project, however, visited um, a reservation last year, later in the year to hear about tribal members who attended the school. One woman said her great-grandfather's mother chose to send him to Carlisle where when he was only 10 years old. The woman said her great-grandfather was part of the Nez Perce that had been captured in the late 1870s. During this time, the American government and the Nez Perce was engaged in major battles after members of the tribes refused to relocate to a reservation. They were prisoners of war under terrible conditions. Um, The woman's husband and all the older son was being killed uh, in the wars as she is in a desperate situation. So yes, she's making the choice, but what kind of choice is that? Um, One of the many things you will hear about uh, Carlisle is no one's permitted to speak English. Uh, Sorry, Uh, is how no one's permitted to speak English and you will be punished if you speak your native language, right? Well, there's a newspaper article about three years after the school had started saying how all students wanted to learn silks. That's not going to be printed in the paper if you know that it's a taboo thing. Um, So while many choose to attend Carlisle, the intent of the school was from day one to destroy the tribal cultures. When the first group of students arrived in the school, Anglo-style names were written on the blackboard. The students would be handed a pointer and told to point at any one of those names. And then that was written on a piece of paper and hung around the neck. Boarding schools across the country made it difficult for tribes to to preserve their cultures, practices, and languages. While some adapted back into life on the reservation after graduating, the loss of indigenous culture was widespread. Perhaps the most famous images were taken at Carlisle were Tom Torlino, um, a Navajo student. Um, As many as 8,000 students attended Carlisle School, and for every student, there was a different story of how you got there, why you were there, and what your experience was. 
On the tombstones in the Carlisle Indian Cemetery, the names and tribal affiliations of students engraved in the marble are emotional reminders of the stories that have not been told. To know the truth about boarding schools, uh, said one person, a person must change their perspective. If it is often not even talked about at all. But when it's talked about, it always, it's always from the white person's perspective. It's a very different story when you look at it at the perspective of the people who were there first. Um, and so this is basically um, um, an article uh, printed in the Gaylord College of Journalism and Mass Communications from the University of Oklahoma. Uh, written um, by Gaylord News. Um, and it's an example of what Kill the Indian and Save the Man is. It is to get rid of the native culture and it's to get rid of the, tr uh, the native in the man and make them a European uh, affiliate. That is exactly what has happened in India. That is exactly what is happening in the Northeast, my friends. Exactly. And it's time you wake up to this. It's time we all wake up to this. For the first 70 years, um, the Congress closed the Northeast completely. You didn't even hear about it. Never. If someone from the Northeast came to the rest of India, they were discriminated against because we thought that they were from a foreign country. They were completely cut off. And this has not gone on, oh, well, before, after, uh, before uh, the internet, even after the internet, they were cut off. Why? Because the Congress was working hand in hand with someone else, with the European colonizers and the uh, Islamic, um, uh, the Islamic colonizers, the relics of these two empires, they were getting big money from the back door um, to keep this land closed so that they could eventually, eventually, um, slow, just like they did in Kashmir, that's just like they've done in Kerala, just like they've done in Punjab, so that they could eventually colonize the people put them into Christian schools or Islamic schools and slowly cut them off from the land. And one day they will have a big genocide to show the world, oh my God, they're such victims. And then they last for a separate state. And then one day they will just make a new country. They want to destroy India by isolating the Indian, putting him on a reservation, giving him a foreign education. And then slowly by slowly, that foreign education will control his mind and they will take away the Indian in him and they will save the man. And that's exactly what R.H. Pratt wanted to do uh, on, on education of Native Americans. And that's how there's hardly any Native Americans in North America left. This is what happened in the Northeast. This is behind what happened in Manipur. Now, let me explain to you something else. Once they colonized North America, which is Canada and, and, um, and America, um, they got gold and silver for cheap. The cheap silver that they got, they sold it. Remember, they'd also come to India. The, the Brits had also come to India. So they got cheap. They, they bought um, silver at very cheap prices. Okay. After mining over here. They took that silver and sold it at a higher price on the Indian subcontinent. Once they got more money for their silver, because obviously Indians like gold and silver, once they got more money for their silver and their gold, that profit 
uh, spurred on gave them the ability to buy goods and services and goods lots of goods take it to uh, take it to um uh, take it to um uh, the united kingdom okay produce the products over there and bring it back to india to sell at a higher product at a higher rate because now they have the industrial revolution going on it's much cheaper for them to produce there so they would take these raw materials that they would buy um and the money for the the purchase of these raw materials and all of that was through the sale of silver and gold uh, silver mostly silver at higher rates than what they bought it on the american continent once they once they took the 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 goods and services um the goods that they the raw materials to to um to to the UK they would produce the goods and services sell it all over the world but also sell it to India at a higher price and that's you we know how that went now with the profit of that they also were able to take over the british east india company was able to take over the tea plantations in the northeast okay um and they made a huge profit of that something else that they took over was the opium trade Okay the opium trade the drug trade of this area they controlled and they sold big big drugs to China and China became a a drug habit became an opium addicted land because of the drugs sold uh to um you know the tribes and and chinese and you can hear about how china became addicted to drugs through the sale of opium uh by the british uh and that you can go on the internet and talk about it all over you can so they controlled the drug trade it was only during the mao revolution that uh they were able to get the addiction of chinese of the addiction of drugs and that's why you had the mao revolution and this is what they don't want india to become because um once this starts once the 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 information gets out um that they um they funded the drug trade the opium trade made lots of money out of it um and once india gets to know about this you know there there will be ripple effects of anger and volcanic anger going around all about the place um but that's how britain made its money now that drug trade also the money and profits from that trade then goes back to to uh um goes back to uh the UK and uh America the UK and the British Empire now one thing is important when india uh, got independence from the british or fake independence as i like to call it um what happens is british thought that oh well we'll give india independence but we will still keep a foothold in in uh, in india because they wanted a foothold in uh, the far, in the southeast in southeast asia to control the trade routes over here because at the end of the day empire is nothing without trade routes so you need a base and what base was the best the base that was the best was the northeast because they had already started uh, proselytizing and colonizing this land christians um Christians of the Hindus becoming Christians they had started in the late 19th century um 
And that's how uh, this area became Christian. Because it's in the northeast and far away from mainland India, it's very difficult for the Indians to know what was going on in the northeast. And even if they knew, all they had to do was pay the government behind the table. We know exactly what Edwina Mountbatten was sleeping with, with, um, with uh, Nehru. And what, what was going on then? He, she was not sleeping with him for love and fresh air. She was sleeping with him because she was a mole. Okay, She was getting him to close the northeast, um, let the Brits rule that land, the Christian missionaries rule that land, and while he keeps quiet on what's going on. So the Christian missionaries have been moving full speed, speed ahead. And not only that, they have their churches are used as fronts for... Um, for um for guerrilla warfare okay they are political groups political mafia the churches are used as fronts for political for mafia guerrilla war- warriors for naxalites for um assailants and they all have uh, weapons ak-47s they have all these big weapons why does the church need their own private armies and ak-47s why because they're protecting something they're not protecting mr and mrs every day they don't give two hoots about mr and mrs every day they've got their protect they've got their own private armies they've got their own gorilla warriors why because they're protecting a drug trade my dear friend the same drug trade that the British was controlling during its occupation of India is the same drug trade that is still going on in the northeast. And in order to protect that, not that, um, in order to protect that drug trade, the the churches are fronts. Okay, the churches are not real churches. Ill- a lot of them are legal churches. Okay. And, and they are uh, fronts where the drug uh, lords and the poppy cultivators can hide and, and seek protection from the church missionaries. Okay, And the church is running a drug racket over there, complete drug racket. So what is happening is there are two groups, as we know now, the mighty, the mighty would live in the valley area and the Nagas and the Cookies who live in the hill area. From them, some Cookies live in Bangladesh, and Myanmar, and they have been infiltrating the uh, areas of of uh, the hills. Okay, um, the British kept a foothold of this to the missionaries. The U.S. have their missionaries there, Christian missionaries, and the goal of the missionaries is to convert the entire area into uh, Christian uh, Christianity, where they will control the drug trade from here, and they will have a base. They will eventually form a new country here. They will have a base. To, uh, for trade in the Middle East, in the Far East, and they could say, oh yes, they can have an army here, they can have a military base, and through that military base, they can keep an eye on India and, and interfere in Indian affairs. Okay, that's exactly what they want. They want to interfere in uh, Indian affairs through their fake democracy, through the back door, they will interfere, they will make sure to subjugate India and force their missionaries to come back to India, which they already are, fund, fund the colonization, backdoor colonization of India through schools, through missionaries, and every time they, their missionaries are, you know, are caught doing 
selling drugs or, or running the drug trade, all they have to say, oh, democracy, democracy, and democracy. So you know now democracy is just a front for the uh, control of the drug trade, which was going on for a very long time, nothing new about it. And this is what the Northeast is about. And this is what the Christians are about. The Christians are converted, are Hindus converted by force and gunpoint uh, to Christianity in order to become a front for this drug trade. If you ever open your mouth against the proselytization and what the church is doing, at gunpoint they will put you down. And that's why they have these warriors, guerrilla warfare, Naxalites, they have... Um, um, arms and why does the church need this? Because the church is producing, is controlling a drug trade here. This is what the church is about, whether it's Anglican churches, Protestant churches, uh, uh, Catholic churches, or Baptist churches. Okay, so all this time they were f uh, funding this. They also had a base in in um, in East Pakistan in 1971. East Pakistan is now gone, so they moved base to. Um, to Myanmar and from Myanmar they're sending uh, cookies who are also tribal people over there as refugees and as uh, illegal immigrants across the border. These illegal immigrants have to live somewhere so what they're doing is they are moving not to the, the areas where the cookies are, they are moving specifically to the Hindu areas in the valley and in the valley they have run a, a fraud uh, poppy cultivation culture, drugs, drugs, drugs all about the place. And their goal is to convert this, the, use the profits from this drug trade and, and finally invade the area, change the demographic balance uh, of this land, uh, use the profits of these drug trades uh, to finally take over the area and convert this land into a Christian land and finally a Christian country. So you know Christianity is a is a disgusting, political, drug-infested empire. It has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus. When, when at least if they used the drugs, you know, for economics, who did something well with it, it would have been okay. But they're not even using the profits from the drug trade for economics, to, to empower the economics of the region, to help the people, but they keep the people poor, poor, poor to democracy, democracy, which is just a front for drug, drug addiction and their drug trade and control of the land. Um, so what is happening is now the finally the BJP came in for five years, they invested completely in economics, but if they invested in economics, they have to stop the drug trade. So slowly by slowly, Birin Singh has been stopping the drug trade, and there's about 1,500 odd, I'm not sure if it's, uh, yeah, 1,500 crows uh, or lakh crows, he's stopped in the last, um, he stopped in the last, five years, a massive, massive amount of drugs uh, going through this land, which, as a result of which, the people, uh, the cookies who are working in, as illegals in this area and um, using the valley area where the mighties are for drugs, uh, drug trade, uh, poppy cultivation, they are being displaced, okay, because they don't have this anymore. Remember, they are illegal immigrants. Um, they're absolutely illegal immigrants of this land. Um, so because he has been stopping the drug trade and, he, and also they want 
the SCST um, tag now. Um, they want the tag of the SCST social, uh, scheduled tribe and scheduled caste. That means no longer illegal poppy cultivation can be done in the mighty areas. And their drug trade will stop completely. The drug trade will stop completely. That drug trade that was financed by gold and silver in the Americas, where the British were doing the same thing, kill the Indian, kill the man, has now come full circle, okay, and is continuing in this in the, in the Northeast. And now, finally, after 400 years, the Indians have finally woken up to this, that the, act, the British and, and the Christian missionaries are actually running a drug-infested empire. They are not Christian. They don't care about Jesus. They do not care about Christianity. Christianity is a front for drug, tr the drug trade. That's all it is. It's a front for the drug trade uh, and, and drug culture. And that's why you go to any Christian land and they are, the people there are stoned with drugs, violence, uh, alcoholism, because this is what the um, Christianity is about. It's a front for drug trade and control of that land. And proselytization is nothing more than killing the Indian and saving the man to install a drug haven in his land and control the money and, and fall out from it. So this is exactly what Manipur writes. It's not about Métis and the cookies who have been conned into this by a 400 years drug infested colonization and dumb gullible Indians are falling for this and the liberal propaganda, the woke propaganda, um, the, and the Hindu propaganda, the secular scam, has been promoting this lock, stock, and barrel and trying to feel, uh, show their tears. Yes, it's bad. Yes, it's bad. Yes, there is violence. It's bad. I'm not, I'm not for it. I'm against it. But there is a lot more behind this. It has to do, and the front of it is a very long-standing issue called kill the Indian and, and save the man so they could use him for a drug-infested trade and culture by ancient colonial empires and on that note my friends i wish you a good evening i'm going to post this i ask you to please save um, this podcast send it to your friends look at the links i'm going to post into it because it's very very important to understand this part and once you understand you, this part you will understand along with the other parts how um Christianity is destroying this culture. It is not a religion. It is a disgusting, absolutely disgusting front for, tra for, uh, for drugs and uh, violence. And anyone who sucks up to this and pretends that they're going to heaven is absolutely brainwashed, completely um, brainwashed. And I'm absolutely ashamed of myself that I absolutely belong to this insult at one point of time but i have no problem in saying it i am happy i've left but i pray for the people who are still involved and pray for them their sons and daughters that they may be they may be free and they may they they rise above this this sickness and this illness and uh, i pray for the peace of the middle east that they may wake up to this okay so please stand up have this voice have the conversation with your friends um 
and we'll go from there. And slowly by slowly, we will heal. We will waken up the Middle East, the uh, the Northeast, and we will wake up the people uh, and support a free, a drug-free Northeast away from uh, the, the, the Christian missionaries and their Christian slime. Uh, I'm sorry I have to say it. I know this is, this is not nice. It's, a tr- it's the truth. As an ex-Christian, it is my duty to have this conversation, and I'm having it. Uh, I'm saying it out aloud. I am ashamed of ever being a Christian, um, and there's a reason behind this. Uh, because this is never what I signed up for. This is never what it should have ever been. So um, on that note, I take your leave. I thank you for your time. Please share my podcast and hopefully things will change. Cheers and stay safe.